Welcome to More Than a Sign, where we talk to some of Milwaukee's most productive realtors, up-and-coming realtors, and those that work alongside us. However, rather than being a platform for shameful self-promotion, these are intimate discussions about the journey, the struggle, the fear, and ultimately, the personal growth along the way. At the end of the day, nobody really cares about what we do. All that really matters is who we are. And today, we're going to learn about who Richard Reuven is. But before we do that, let me tell you a few things about what Richard has done. Richard and his team are on pace to make $180 million in sales this year. But no disrespect intended, who really cares about that? Thank you, Josh. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. I feel like, you know, we're in the studio sitting across from one another, and I feel like I'm looking in a mirror that makes me younger, <laughs> better looking, smarter, nicer, more athletic. <laughs> I wish mirrors like this really existed. Well, I can't complain. You're a great dad, and I'm happy to be here. So, you want to ask me a few questions? Yeah, of course. I'd love to. So, my first question is, is uh, why are you doing this podcast? Good question. So, I really went into it um, wanting to do two things. Number one was to build bridges between agents. I think that sometimes ego gets in the way, sometimes emotions get in the way, or hard feelings. And at the end of the day, we're all people. We're all working towards the same thing. Whether I'm working with a buyer or seller and the agent on the other side, we, we just want to get to the finish line and, and take the best care of our clients. So I want to build bridges. Now, I also want to encourage newer agents to just keep going. Like, everybody has had challenges. It's a tough business. But once you get going, it's a fantastic business. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like that. I like that you're going out of your way to really start this podcast. And I hope that this can leave a positive mark on what you've been doing. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So, what have you learned from hosting this podcast? So, I've learned that nobody's had it easy. I mean, it's really tough for everybody. Um, some people had careers before that didn't go the way they planned. Um, most other people have had major setbacks along the way. Um, but failure is part of success. And I think we have to embrace it, not be afraid to fail, to try new things, to fail forward, as they say. And most importantly, just not to give up. Um, if you look at what the top producers have in common, it's mostly that they really just didn't give up. I know you said it's not easy. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got into this business? Sure. So my brother and I started working together. We were best friends. and we were we started as painters and uh i quickly realized that i was a better pointer than a painter and this was in high school to make money for high school and then ultimately for college so we hired a dozen guys and and they were all painting in the neighborhood and then we decided well painting isn't really going to do it for us so we would become remodelers and we printed up business cards and we were kind of remodelers before we were modelers but we were honest guys, hardworking guys. We always surrounded ourselves with great people. We always underpromised and overdelivered and built a, a thriving remodeling company with dozens of employees and brought on designers and uh, became a design build team. Then we decided, well, we really want to get into new construction. So we started remodeling and building. 
And then we decided to bring on a really fantastic architect and started a whole different architectural company. So there was Reuven Brothers, which was Rob, my brother Rob, Tony and Nia, who was a partner, and uh, myself. And then we started what was Weissman Reuven Design. And we had offices in Milwaukee and Chicago building homes, really designing all over the country and building in Milwaukee and Chicago. Rob and I decided to sell both businesses back in 2003. And Rob and I started developing condos downtown. I remember pushing you around in a stroller at the Blatts. So we bought, uh, with a partner, we bought the Blatts apartments, fully renovated all the common space, renovated the units. And in 2006 and seven, timing couldn't have been better, sold 169 condos. My brother went down a different path to do some uh, new development with the partner that he and I had. I was involved with, uh, we bought Landmark on the Lake, and that was an already started condo conversion. We saw that through. I was involved in the sellout of Kilbourne Tower. And then ultimately, when we sold everything that I co-owned, I kind of enjoyed working with, uh, uh, you know, with the brokerage community. Uh, we had an internal brokerage team. And I remember reaching out to a couple agents, one of which was Katie Falk. And uh, I said, Katie, I'm going to either build a team or build a brokerage. I really kind of like this business. And after a few conversations, uh, Katie and I decided to come together to create Falk Reuven. And then ultimately that became Falk Reuven Gallagher when Molly joined us. So now we have a team of 18 people. I think our admin team sets us apart. We have a great, great admin team. And then we have six sales agents in addition to um, Molly, Katie, and I. And, and uh, we're blessed. We're blessed to work with great people and to have a great business. Yeah, and it's incredible how you started off as a painter. And years and years later, you are now working with our lead partner in Falk, Reuven Gallagher. And I know that growing up, I really had no clue what Kilbourne was or the Blatz was, but now that I'm older and can appreciate it, uh, mm -hmm. it's really inspiring to see all the work you've done. Thank you. I wish you could have seen Rob and I as painters. We used <laughs> to end up with more paint on our clothes than on the walls. <laughs> we were just not destined to be great painters. Yeah, well, I think, think that rubbed off on me too. I cannot paint. <laughs> so let me ask you a few more questions. Mm -hmm. um, so why lead the team? Why? What makes you a leader? Why do you want to lead these teams? So a lot of people that are thinking about starting a team or that have newer teams and that are facing the challenges of running a team come and talk to me. And the truth is the only reason to build a team is because you derive your self-esteem and your happiness from the success of others. I think a lot of people start teams because they want to make more money or they want to have their signs all over town or whatever. But it ends up being like a high turnover business that way and people aren't happy and you're not making money. And I think if you really are in it to help others succeed, and I really truly believe that everybody on our team does better, is happier, makes more than they would anywhere else. And to me, that's the greatest reward. Yeah. And just from being around the office, I feel that energy too. It's it's contagious. Thank you. Yeah. So besides trying to 
um, put other people at their best. What would be some of your other goals? So I switched from goals to intentions. So I used to have goals. I want to sell a certain amount of homes. I want to make a certain amount of money. I want to run a certain distance. I want to weigh a certain weight. And when I achieved those, I was pretty good at achieving my goals. They were hollow victories. They never made me happier. You would just move on to the next goal. So I really only have one goal now um, in business and in uh, life. I'm a, I'm a very easy cry. I'm going <laughs> to try not to cry when I say this. But my only goal is to live up to the image that you and Nate, you and your brother have of me. That's my only goal. And I wake up every morning in the dark and go about my day. And, I, and I'm always focused on trying to be the best person I can because I think you have an image, you and your brother have an image of me that I try to live up to. And I switched to intentions and that's made my life so much better. So my intentions, as you know, are I want to be loved and respected by those closest to me. I want to be kind to myself. I want to feel good inside and out. I want to give and be surrounded by positive energy. And I want to help people that felt the way I used to feel, feel like the way I feel today. And to me, that is the guidepost of my life. And I've never been happier. I've never talked to myself more kindly. And I've never found more time to do things for others. Thank you so much for saying that, Dad. I mean, for Nate and I, you're a, you're a true role model. Well, like, I try. Words, words, it's hard to put it into words, but through every part of our lives, you've been a true role model. And you've always been somebody that uh, Nate and I have been able to look up to. And so your intention, you're living up to your intention, at least so far, Dad. <laughs> so um, can I give you a little scenario? So if one of your friends lists with somebody else, does that hurt you or how do you react to something like that? Sure. Well, it's funny you ask that yeah. because that just came up. I mean, literally one of my lifelong best friends is working with another agent because they're going through a life transition and it was easier to work with somebody they didn't know. So there are really kind of two things I embrace and you know, it's all about like balance and perspective. I got that from my dad perspective in life. And there are really two things. One is, you know, I embrace what I call the actuary mindset. And an actuary works for an insurance company and an actuary can tell you how many deaths there'll be in any given year, how many people will be disabled, how many people get sick and each disease. They just can't tell you who. So I go into the year every year and I say, okay, this coming year, I'm going to have one friend that works with someone else. I'm going to have half a dozen deals unwind. I'm going to have somebody that I adore on the team depart. And all of those things happen this year, like every year. And when they happen, I just say, oh, okay, well, that's the friend or that's the person that's departing. Or I think if you go in with that mindset, it's, it's easier to deal with it when it comes. And then the other thing I do to have a process for letting go when a disappointment happens. And this is a business where it constantly happens. And I call it R-E-A-L, real. I kind of change the words to fit real estate. But when something bad happens, when a deal unwinds or a family member uses somebody else or any of the scenarios you can think of, the first thing I do is recognize the situation. So I say to myself, this is what happened. It's not going to unhappen. Then I embrace it. 
like I had somebody that we were working with that found a home that I was very close with that found a home by owner. And, you know, I said, all right, well, he's not going to unbuy the home and I'm going to embrace this. That's the next step for me. So I think to myself, you know what? What I really wanted at the end of the day was for him to find something perfect with or without me. That's why I'm in this business. I can only imagine how hard it was for him to make that call. He actually came to my house afterwards. You know what? If I'm in it for the right reasons, I'm going to embrace that he ultimately found what he wanted. Next is allow, R-E-A. You have to allow yourself to feel what you want to feel. So I sat with my, you know, sat there with my thoughts for a few minutes and I said, you know, I'm embarrassed. I'm disappointed. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. You know, all the things that one would feel. And I let myself feel that for a few minutes, not a day or two days or whatever. And then I let it go. And for me, I can only let it go if I'm meditating or if I'm running. To me, that's what helps me let go of things. But what am I going to do? Am I going to be angry for a week <laughs> or a month? I mean, if I was angry at this guy and vented about it, you, your brother, mom, our dog, Manny, everybody would be, everybody would be mad at this guy. Yeah. And what purpose does that serve? So for me, letting it go is, you know, the last step. And I love this guy. I embrace him when I see him. You guys love him. You don't even know who it is. It yeah. doesn't even matter. That's my process. Mm -hmm. Was letting it go something that you had to learn? Because I know starting with Reuven Brothers, you were always, uh, throughout all of your businesses, you always worked with people. And was letting it go kind of something that you started with or something that that came with time? Um, so I'm not proud of the guy I was in my 20s. Like you and your brother are so f much further ahead, and we talk about this all the time, that, that I was. I think I was a selfish person. I really only concerned myself with what would get me ahead, what was best. I worked super hard to create an image of what I thought I needed to be. I tried to look more successful than I was, and I tried to sound smarter than I was. And I was really unhappy. The way I spoke to myself wasn't positive. I would put myself down. I was sarcastic. Like, I could go on and on. So I've really, I learned how to under, oh, well, when, when Nate was born, who was born three and a half years before you, it really shifted my perspective. Then you came along and even more so. And I think once you realize that life isn't about you, but it's about the people that you love, that changed things. Then I started to realize love is not the way you feel, but the way you make the other person feel helped. And then I learned how to be kinder to myself. And when I was kinder to myself, I became kinder to everybody else. And then the last thing is like the letting it go. And I learned that from meditating, like not carrying around negative energy. It just does no good. It just does no good. And if I find myself not meditating or not running, I, it, I feel those things start to creep back in. And I have to compliment you here though, but your positive attitude is really contagious. And when you come home to our household, when I see you in the office, when we're on vacation, talking to random people, your positive energy really rubs off on, on the people around you. And that's, um, that's something that I really strive for when I grow up. I want to have that same impact and really make people around me feel good. And so can I ask you a question? Yeah. You what can. do you think I have to work on? What do I think you have to work on? Yeah. That's a complicated question when I think about it. I think that the thing that you have to work on 
you've been working on. Part of that is patience. <laughs> you've been working hard for a long time, and you kind of just like go get it done, go do it. I know you've been working on your patience, but that's a good one. Yeah, you could definitely be a little、yeah. more patient with some things. Thank you. But I mean, not with me. Not telling me to get up out of bed. That not little stuff like that. But as a whole, you're doing you're doing pretty good, Dad. Doing really good. Next on my list. <laughs> yeah. If you have an image of me being a patient guy, then I will have an image of me being a patient guy, and I'll become more patient. Yep. Well, let's make that happen. Let's、okay. speak it into reality. So I'm going to ask you another question. Why do you personally sell more than thirty million dollars worth of homes a year? What do you do to hit that mark? Sure. So, I think a couple things. I'll start with the least important, and that is, I think I have more expertise than the typical agent, having been a contractor for all the years, owning an architectural firm, getting involved in development of all different types of properties.、Um, Being a flipper, being an investor in properties, and then finally becoming a realtor—I just think I have a a deeper knowledge than most people. But I think that's actually the least important. I think you have to be in it mostly for others. That's really, to me, the definition of trust: is somebody that's in it for others, not themselves. And I really feel like I and we embody that. And then I think you have to attract people with. Who you are, what you know, what you do, who you help. So rather than being a cold caller and calling people I don't know, or knocking on doors, or you know doing the some of the real salesy things, I just try to attract people with who I try to be in this business. Number mark. It's cool and it's it's、um, it's a milestone. You try and hit the milestones, but I know that that. Doesn't really matter. That's not the most important thing. What pushes you further to really try and hit those hit those milestones? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Is yeah. What's、um, the drive behind、sure. this? So, like this weekend,、mm-hmm. I drove to Iowa there and back over two days to meet with a teammate. Excuse me, somebody that runs a team similar size to ours that really inspires me. He has a great personal story, and I have an insatiable appetite to learn. I feel like, although I have some of the experience that other realtors don't have, I feel like I have more to learn than to teach. I think that's humility. So I'm always thirsting to learn from people that are like that lead with their hearts, that have great teams that all work together. That are innovative, that are organized, that have a great process, like all of that. So, to me, I guess it's wanting to learn and wanting to be better. And I think, like when I look back in our home building days, if we went into the year and said we want to make more money, we never did. But the years that we went in to the year and said we want to be better at these five things, we always made more money. So for me, it's the quest to be smarter and better. That's interesting. I think that's a good way to look at those things. Do you think that you constantly trying to be better and smarter is why some people may hire you over your competitors, or what do you think are the main factors behind that? So I have great humility around that. Share another story. 
your dad is never never runs out of stories <laughs> or analogies. So a month ago, I met with five people, not in our office, but five agents that reached out to me that were all starting and created an accountability group. Some of them didn't even list their first house. And this is a long answer to your short question mm -hmm. of why would people hire me over others? And I said to them, look, I and my team, let's say my team have sold thousands of homes and you haven't sold your first one. And then I asked them all to think about who they love the most in this world. They didn't have to share it, but like, think of who you love the most. And then I said to them, all right, envision getting an appointment to go list somebody's house. And you saw me walking out of the house who had sold all these homes over the years. And you had to go in after me. But also imagine that the person that you just thought of that you love the absolute most, maybe they needed surgery and you needed to close a sale to help pay for it. Or they needed money to go to college or they needed money for whatever. Like, but, but you landing this deal was critical to get the person you love the most to where they need to be. You know, imagine how you how persuasive you'd be, how much you'd care, how engaged you'd be. And so I have a lot of humility around why people hire me over others. I don't even know that I could answer that in terms of what I bring to the table. I think everybody brings something great to the table. And I think anybody that is super motivated, super compelled, and that is do, that's on a mission is a fierce competitor, whether they're selling their first home or their thousandth. So for me, I look at it as an even playing field and I approach every opportunity as me not having an advantage over anybody else. Cause I don't think I do. Yeah. And it's a, it's a competitive ind industry. You need a little spark, a little chip on your shoulder. So it must be competitive. And I, I appreciate that long answer for that, for my short question, because mm -hmm. Just saying, oh, work harder, oh, I'm smarter, that doesn't, doesn't prove anything. This build business, excuse me, this business is filled with people that are really smart, that are great marketers, that work really hard, that care. Like, I, I don't own, I haven't cornered the market on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot. I know you've been saying humility a lot. So uh, let's talk about what do you think your biggest shortcomings are in this industry? If I look at the industry... I think there are a couple things. Number one, I think there's way too much emphasis on production. It doesn't matter where you are, what brokerage you are. There are all these rewards over or about who sold the most homes or condos or whatever. I don't know. I, I, I've never liked that. I've never, there are no awards. Although we've, we've received our share, they go for me personally, I dispose of them because I don't think they measure the right things. And if I ever received an award, if there was an award for being the kindest or most generous, or even things like had the best photography, had the best staging, had the best marketing materials, like those are like best things that you strive for either as a person or in the process. But the fact that we've sold more homes or condos than someone else, I don't know. So I think that's a shortcoming. I think all brokerages and the industry as a whole do not spend enough time training new agents on the actual skills, on staging, on photography, on how to listen. Like there's nothing more important than how to listen, how to show a home, things like that. Most of the emphasis is on generating leads and closing deals and all that. And 
I think that there's a lot of skills to be learned that you don't learn, you know, in real estate school. And then I think there is an overall lack of boundaries. If you go to the doctor and have a test on Friday, you're not calling him on Saturday and Sunday. You're waiting till Monday, right? I think that in our industry, we perpetuate the 24-7 availability. And quite frankly, I'm not at my best after 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. Oh, I know. Right? I'm and, well aware. And, you know, to duck out of your graduation or your Little League game or whatever, like, I think that we all need to create reasonable boundaries because we're better when we're fresh and focused and not multitasking or, you know, working our 18th hour. Yeah, I, I've i seen that, that um, it's just, it's crazy that, some calls at some weird times, some weird days. And I think you've done a really good job at still being, always being there for Nate and I, even if you have to answer a phone call or answer a text. Uh, I know that you try really hard and just want to reassure you that you're, you've always done a very good job at still being connected with us. You're being too easy busy. on me, dude. Oh, I know. I'm hyping you up a little bit. There. All right. That's not the purpose. <laughs> um, it's hard not to. What's next? So I know it's been a crazy time over the last few months, last few years, whatever. Uh, it's been crazy in the industry. What do you think the rest of this year will look like for you guys, for your team? We're clearly transitioning. So the second half of the year starts in a couple of weeks. You know, interest rates today are up over 6%. They were under 3% a year ago. Home prices are still really strong. There's always a shortage of something in our business. Uh, typically, there are a shortage of buyers and plenty of sellers. The last couple of years, there's been a shortage of sellers with too many buyers. I think we're going to go back to a period of time where Due to the lack of affordability with the home prices high and with interest rates high, I think homes are going to become less and less affordable for buyers. So whether it happens in the coming weeks or months, and we can already feel it starting now, we're clearly transitioning back to an environment where we're going to have more sellers than buyers rather than more buyers than sellers. I think it's just the affordability and some of the other economic headwinds that are going on. But I'm confident in our team that will continue to add value. We'll reach out to people. I think there'll be a flight to safety. I think people will be comfortable with the teams that do really well and have great track records. Most of the people in our industry weren't in the industry in 2008 when the last recession of any significance occurred. So I think buyers and sellers will appreciate people that have been through it. And that makes sense. So we talked about second half of the year and how tables are kind of turning. So let's say 10 years from now, 2032, what do you think the industry will really look like then? That's a tough question. So I would say that, first of all, like everything, right? Like everything. Look at taxi cabs and how consumers really required something better. I think in our industry, consumers are going to demand a smoother process. I mean, it's still a clunky process. They're going to want a smoother process. They're going to want more certainty. Like a seller is going to want certainty that, look, if my home doesn't sell within a certain amount of days or weeks or months, that you're going to buy it. I really believe that. 
and we're all going to be doing this for less commission. So I think it's going to be have to be a smoother process, more certainty, and less money. I also think that there's going to be pressure on the buyer side of the business. So there are all sorts of, there's class action lawsuits, there's the Department of Justice. Everybody's trying to work to get buyers to pay the buyer side commission. And if ultimately that occurs, which I personally think is probably better for the consumer anyway, I'm not opposed to that at all. I do think that there'll be downward pressure on how buyer's agents are compensated. Maybe less so seller's agents, but certainly buyer's agents. So I think there are some major changes ahead. What of those changes are you looking forward to? I love change. I love opportunity. My best years professionally, um, financially, were 2008, 9, and 10. I think when most people are rattled by what's going on, I love that. I love leading. I love educating. I get a little bored. Like if, if we were going to do exactly what we do the way we do it in this environment for my next, let's see, 18 working years, that would be boring. I, I love challenge. I do. Yeah. You know, it's a challenging industry. So I'm yeah. glad you like challenge. So in about 10 years, I feel like that's when I would really be getting involved in real estate if I decide to do that. And if I do decide to do that, what advice would you give me? Dude, what are you going to do between now and then? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have three more years of college, but what's the other seven years? Oh, boy. Maybe I'll travel backpack around the world or something. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I support your dreams. Um, so what, what advice <laughs> would I give that. you? <laughs> I don't even, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm meant for backpacking. I right. think I'd get to work. <laughs> so I would say number one, be yourself, right? Like the number one thing, you know, it's the question I always ask you, what would I change about you? Nothing. What do I love about you? Everything. So you be yourself. Like people like to do business with genuine people and don't try to be someone else. Don't do what somebody else does. Be yourself. Be in it for others, like when you put everybody, everybody first. You put your clients first, you put your employees first, everything else follows. I like to say that I take none of the credit and all of the blame. I mean, that's what it means to be a leader, and I like that, and I'm drawn to that. Ditch whatever ego you have. Ego is a limiter, I think. Ego is the least healthy thing that you can have in business. I think it's about humility as opposed to ego. Uh, what, would, what would ego look like in the industry? Putting yourself ahead of others, thinking that you're the hero of the story. So there are some agents that believe that they're the hero of the story, whereas I believe I'm not the hero, I'm the guide. The client is the hero. or our employees or agents are the heroes. And I'm there to help people win or succeed or save the day or whatever. I think being the guide is, is what I do and what a successful leader does. I think you have to be synonymous with something. I think when people think of something, they should think of you. Maybe if they think about a neighborhood, oh boy, I should call Josh Rubin if I'm going to sell in that neighborhood. Or if they think of 
condos, maybe you're a condo guy. Oh, I should think of Josh Rubin if I'm going to sell a condo. Like, I think if you can be synonymous with something and build from there, that's a huge advantage. Be productive. Like, I think a lot of people in business think that they're doing productive things, but you have to look at what you're doing and say, is this the most important thing I can be doing today to help people and to get ahead? Um, you have to constantly analyze, is this efficient and productive? And then I think you have to attract people and not pull people. Interruption marketing, I think, is a thing of the past. I think people are attracted to your sincerity, to your knowledge, to your honesty, to your care. Attract people rather than try to convince them or try to wear them down or try to contact them a hundred times, you know, all these things, you know, to me, that's pushing or pulling as opposed to attracting. I know we just, just talked about contacting. Just a, a quick question. If you were to contact a client that you really wanted to work with or really cared about, what would you, how would you contact them if you could choose? I do it all the time. So I talk to people every day. Everybody teaches kind of the same thing. You call somebody and you say, who do you know? that wants to buy, sell, or invest in real estate. Some version of that, that doesn't work for me. That's not genuine. I call people and say, hey, how does it feel to have the kids home from college? Or, hey, I just drove by your house and I was thinking about you. Or, hey, I know you had knee surgery. Like, how do you feel? Like, what percentage recovery are you? Like, to me, I enjoy interacting. I care where they are in their lives. I'm trying to meet them where they are, which is living their lives rather than have them meet me where I am, which is trying to sell real estate. I think if you meet people where they are and you care about enough people, the rest comes to you. So I'm constantly reaching out to people, but never really for, uh, hey, are you interested in buying or selling? Totally. So I guess I'd try and making a, a deeper connection mm -hmm. and just, uh, and that, I mean, that makes sense because if you, if you really care, they'll know that you really care about how they're doing, what they're doing, and they'd want to work with you, and then you'd want to work with them too. I don't know. It's a good system. I like that. Well, I was kind of reluctant to do this because I wanted to make sure that this podcast wasn't about me, but I really feel like I've learned a lot over the four or five months that I've been doing this. I've been so motivated by the people I've interviewed they're all beautiful. They all work hard. They're all successful. They all come at it a different way. They all had ups and downs. Like to me, I just wanted to express how grateful I am for the friends that I have in this business, how grateful I am that my family is patient with me and lets me pour into our business and our industry. And it was just kind of, I hope it came across that way. Yeah, it totally did. And I've really enjoyed listening to your podcasts. I've, I've really enjoyed um, hearing all these people's stories that you brought on here. And I was thrilled when you, when you asked me to interview you. Uh, that means a lot. And I haven't been trying to hype you up too much because I know it's not really about you or anything. It's just insightful learning a little bit, but... It honestly is hard not to compliment you, Dad. Um, I'm so happy how close we are, and just stuff like this means the world. Well, thank you, and thanks for doing this on what? 
on my birthday, my nineteenth <laughs> birthday. Good way, and yeah. not only that, but um, it's a little 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 early for me. I'm right. usually usually sleeping right now. Well, someday I hope we have a chance to work together. No pressure, no obligation, but it would be fantastic. I think I would learn as much as I teach. I think that you have an innate ability to connect with people. You have friends in every school. You, you walk into a new university, a fraternity. You have friends everywhere. It's a tribute to who you are. I've learned from you a lot. Um, and whether it's in this business or something, whether it's philanthropic or working or whatever, I think I would be blessed to work with you. And thanks for doing this today. It means a lot. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And I'm blessed to be in this situation. And <laughs> love you, Dad. Love you, Dad. Love you, Dad. <laughs> so I'd like to give a shout out to Podcast Town Studios, our producer. No sleep for creating the music. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you believe that you or someone you know would be an ideal guest and would talk about not what they've done, but really who they are, why don't you reach out to me? I'm the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. Thank you. <laughs>